Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Wedgehead Pinball Podcast. My name's Alan. I'm a co-owner, Portland Pinball Bar Wedgehead, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Alex the Waterboy. How's it going? My name is Alex, as Alan just said. We're going to be talking about super pins today, the Bally Williams wide body pinball machines made in the early 90s. And we're also joined by the other half of Wedgehead, Christopher Rhodes, local operator and, you know, legend, I would say. <laughs> I don't know about that, but hey, I'm here. I'm ready to talk. All right. So the super pins is the trademark name given to all wide body pins made by Bally Williams beginning from April 1993 through October 1994. They're extra wide machines. These varied by different manufacturers and eras, but all the super pins were the same size. The standard pinball play fields at the time were 20.5 inches wide, and the super pins were 23.25 inches wide, so almost three full inches wider. Some of the earlier wide bodies from the 80s are like 27 inches wide, like Paragon, so it's like six and a half inches wider than a standard machine. And those are like super noticeable. Yeah, when you walk up to one of those, you're not like wondering if it's a wide body. Damn, or... that's a big bitch. <laughs> like that's, that is a big. Well, the heads are all the same size though. The heads always say, it's the cabinet and play field width yeah. is what so, we're like, talking if about. So like moving it through a doorway, everyone's like, is it gonna fit? And it's like, like the well, head, head does. Still yeah. the same size. It just means they're gonna be heavier, usually. <laughs> yeah. Like way heavier. Way heavier, yeah. The, I think the interesting part was because these started in 93 92 was when all the pins shot way up like the production went way up like that's after adam's family and you see games like fishtails and you see like all those games like everyone's designs went through the roof like they started selling the crap out of pinball and that's also kind of when they started making the games have a lot of different mechs and and crazy stuff in the games and they were selling big units so they came up to the conclusion they're like let's make them bigger so we could put more stuff in them and we'll market it as a super pin so every designer who was employed at the time they got to or were forced to make one and, and pat lawler got to make two of them so he's the only designer at williams that got to make two but the first one was and i think we'll just get into and start talking about each one mm -hmm. but the first one that came out was twilight zone designed by pat lawler it was the first super pin, and it was the only one not to have the upgraded DCS sound system that they used in all the pins afterwards. So you still get some of that, like, kind of crackly. Like, it's not, yeah. you notice, like, the sound design is great because Chris Graner did it, but the GOAT, it's the quality gets better in later Williams games, and it's the only one that doesn't have it. Maybe that's how Maybe that's how he talked his way into getting a second super pin. <laughs> it's quite a bargaining chip. <laughs> Twilight Zone was the first game he designed after he broke the all-time single machine sales record held by 8-Ball previously with his game Adam's Family, released in 1992, which sold 21,270 units, best-selling pin of all time. Twilight Zone ends up becoming the second highest-selling game of Pat's career with 15,235 units. It was based on the Rod Serling sci-fi TV series from the 1960s and was the last of Pat's infamous four-game hot streak that started with Whirlwinds, then the next year Funhouse, then Adam's Family, then Twilight Zone, which, like, those four games in a row is nuts. Yeah, good run. It's also his most highly rated game on both Pinside and IPDB. It's actually the number one game of all time on the IPDB list. Kind of makes me respect that list more than Pinside. <laughs> I respect it way more than Pinside, but they're both What's flawed. Pinside? <laughs> they're both flawed because, like, Pinside's the cult of the new, IPDB is like ancient. Yeah, ancient. So it's like 
if you combine them both, you'd have like a good list. It's yep. super Asian. I was talking to Greg Dunlap about it, and he was saying that's like one of the first websites that was out there. Oh, yeah. It, it was. makes sense when you look at it. It looks yeah. like it was developed it's midnight. So awesome. I love it. <laughs> Love every piece of it. It's funny, though, that people haven't gone on and just spammed Godzilla reviews on there because they could, but they don't. Like, and it's Yes, because I think most rich. casual guys don't make it past Pinside. That kind of sure. stops them. Talk about Twilight Zone. Like, what do you guys oh. like about it or dislike about it? It's got my favorite shot in pinball on it. The gumball shot. I love hitting that outer loop. That outer loop. This up. The noise in it. <laughs> yeah. It's and it's so good, man. And it's got a cool little mech there with the gumball machine. So that is kind of like, it's a fun payout for that. I just say the way the sound integration in that game is, we ranked them all and Twilight Zone is definitely the highest for me because just the sound integration of the game is amazing. The way that, I don't know, I like the magnetic upper play field. Yeah. Because everybody's like, oh, the magnets are screwing up this game. Well, there really are magnets in that game that, you know, operate it. So it kind of, it lets people believe that magnets are ruling the world. Which yeah. It's kind of awesome. <laughs> you know, like the multi-ball is somewhat, you know, points, but you got to do all the modes. Yeah. You know, like it's it's pretty balanced scoring. It's kind of like they took Pat's success from Adams and they actually made it work a lot better. Like, it's a lot more balanced than Adam's family feels. It's not just blowing through rooms on the mansion. It's like, you got to go through the door, but you can get points other ways. Yeah. Trying to go around the door is not probably the easiest tournament strategy. So it's like, there's a lot of, there's a little more nuance than Adam's. I think it's excellent. I mean, I don't think you're really going to find, you're going to find certain people that don't like it just if they don't like Pat Lawler games, because it is 100% a Pat Lawler game. Yeah. Uh, but meaning that it's it's choppy, like it's choppy stops. and it's stop and go and like it's no NASCAR, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it just <laughs> means it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's just like it's one of those games. It plays like Funhouse, you know, it's like stop, hit a shot, grabs the ball, holds the ball, moves it across. Like and it's that's definitely true of Twilight Zone, but very odd flipper placements, angle shots like. It feels claustrophobic like a lot of his playfields do. Yep, it's four flippers, upper playfield with the Magna flips on it. So is that a, technically a six flipper game then? We giving it to him? No, I'm going to say four. <laughs> yeah, I would give it, six. yeah, maybe six. <laughs> it's just kind of funny to have an upper playfield with no actual physical flippers on it. Yeah. And it's like if you play that thing right and you're bouncing it up there, you can stay up there for a while too. Yeah. I don't know. Or, I it's, very, it's very yeah, satisfying when you make it through the hole, too. Now, like, talking about it, I'm regretting where I ranked it before we started recording. Yeah. Like, that game is too late. <laughs> yeah. We're already threatened violence with this. <laughs> with that being said, I'll give the Wedgehead Pinball Podcast Award for the best mechs and toys for the working gumball machine and clock ceramic powerball, which we didn't even talk about. I've got one sitting. Awesome. And the upper power magnetic play field. So... Of the super pins, we're going to give each one an award, and Twilight Zone gets best toys and mechs. And yeah, voted yeah. best amongst everybody that you polled. Well, we'll, we'll get to that later. Okay. We'll get to that later. Spoiler. Not everybody. I just want to talk creative. Not everybody. Hold on. Spoiler alert. The next game that was released was Indiana Jones, The Pinball Adventure. This was designed by Mark Ritchie. Sold 12,716 units, which makes it Mark's second best-selling game. Only about a thousand units shy of his previous game, Fish Tales, at thirteen thousand six hundred forty units, which was released the year before, and is right during that big pinball upswing after Adam's Family. It's also his highest ranked game on both Inside and IPDB. So, out of Mark's whole career, it's his highest ranked game. Strongly disagree with that personally. Same, but <laughs> we're talking super pins. Yeah, we are talking yeah. super. Okay, pins. I'll, yeah, I'll keep it focused on that. <laughs> um, so, what do you guys think about Indiana Jones? 
I mean, that was one of the first games that I wizard mode. I did the wizard mode in when it was out, like in, I, it was like probably like 95 or so, like then I was playing it, I think. Because you said it came out in 93. Yeah. Yeah. I used to wait for the bus here in Portland to go down to PSU and finish up my degree. And it was at this place called Coyotes. They, Coyotes? They, I know. It was called Coyotes, <laughs> like Wiley Coyote. Like, and the woman who owned the place was an Olympic snow skier. Oh. And they would sell this Texas toast that was 25 cents a piece. How are you going to be an Olympic skier and name the place Coyotes and not something like you think she had skis and medals up in the place? Okay, yeah. And you would get this Texas toast, which was like a piece, the thickest piece of white bread. Think of like a Tokyo sandwich or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she would grill it and it would be 25 cents. And it was like when you were, wow, it was yeah. like that's where you would go and play pinball and eat Texas toast. <laughs> And so you're just loaded up on toast, playing Indiana Jones. <laughs> you're like the carbs in, finish it out, Indiana Jones. <laughs> what do you think about the gameplay? <laughs> you're like that toast, man. What the fuck, fun, man? That's what I, I mean. It reminds me, like, like I said, it was the first game I got the wizard mode on. Finished all yeah. modes uh, in it, you know. Like, it's definitely a mode-based game. It's got some really cool, like, again, the mechs on this game are really cool. The idle lock is insane, like. That I little spinning that. lock on the right side, you mean? Yeah, dude. Yeah, how it spits out, goes across the little cap. Oh, and it's really cool. And the sound on this is also excellent. Again, Chris Graner. Path of the Dead, pretty sick. Or what? Or what are they, sorry, I'm thinking of the... Is what, What's that What's that upper play field called on it? I'm thinking of Lord of the Rings has the path. shitty... It is a path. Path yeah. of Adventure, yeah. Okay, Path of Adventure, yeah. yeah. Lord of the Rings kind of did the same thing, but it's it's a Yeah, path George Gomez. It's not, it's not movable. Yep. Yeah, George Down. Gomez, that hack, totally stole that. Hack. But it doesn't even move, so it's like really <laughs> hackish. No, just Lord of the Rings, psh, garbage. Garbage game. Not a super <laughs> Not a super pin, that's why it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Mediocre pin. No, I think Indy's fun. I gave it the award for best world under glass and theme integration, and part of that, some of the mechs, like the idol lock, it's got the sculpted kind of mountains around it, so it looks like a little temple. It's got yeah. the planes. It's got the gun, Traeger. I like. Suppose. It, the art looks like it. The sound looks like it. It feels like Indiana Jones when you play it. Like the whipping when you yeah, get Yeah, somebody to say that. When you, get, when you get the bonus multiplier, it it cracks the whip. When you get all the lanes up top, yeah, it pretty does. Plus you get the call. You actually get the call outs from the movies. Like you cheat Dr. Jones. Yeah. And you get like- I hate you. I hate you, yeah. yeah. It's fun. I think like, I love Indiana Jones. I love the movies. So like that theme is like top. Top, top, top yep. tier. It's really, it's me. that theme. It's a big theme and it's executed well. I think a big part of that is why people like the game so much oh, and yeah. why it's so valuable. Because for being like, they made 13,000 of them and it's still a really expensive game. I think it's overall the most expensive. It's probably the most expensive Bally Willie. Then, then by Twilight Zone is like yeah. right there. Yep. I think it's the most bleached out of all the cabinets. Yeah. That cabinet, that cabinet is roach. Yep. Dude, like I, you, to find one with the original good cabinet, dude, good luck. Part of my reasoning, I, so I'm not a big Indiana Jones fan, and part of that's because the game or the the theme. the game, the game. Okay, I'm talking about pinball, it's pinball podcast. Okay, a lot of the time you see them on location. Gary Stern would tell you that theme matters, bro. <laughs> it does. So. it does, and I like the movies, but I'm not ecstatic about them. But a lot of the ones I've seen on location are broken, and that's a recurring theme. Yeah. A lot of super pins. If you have, you know, less than excellent operators, you see a lot of super pins. Thankfully, we don't know anything about that. I know. The, you know, the only operator in this room. Being the world's best operator. <laughs> yeah, that's why. It's, it's kind of funny. It's just one of those ones that it's like, 
the first couple times I played it, I'm like, this is a $13,000 pinball machine. Like, it's garbage because the locks are disabled, you know, shit like that. Yeah, like if if the stuff doesn't work, like the path doesn't work, if the flippers are too weak so you can't make the very steep ramps. Yep. If, you know, like then it does lose it. The mode hole start is notorious. Like it's so hard to get flippers strong enough to make the ramps, but not bounce out of that bouncing out of that fucking hole like i've seen all sorts of stuff stuck in the back of that hole to yeah prevent it like little pieces of foam <laughs> and stuff like yep. that yeah there's there's a lot of like different ways to so it's like it's not to me the best shooting of the super pins but the theme integration is next level i really love the when you're ripping those ramps though it's then it's like that it's fun and i love the captive ball that goes up vertical you smack it, it goes boom and then comes back and it hits the ball back at you yeah. like that is fucking cool it's got all the video modes too which you guys have covered in yeah the- like <laughs> and i think that those are all pretty good they're all pretty yeah. good i really like the well of souls that was always my favorite part of that game yeah getting the six ball multi-ball or whatever it was and then you could really just work it over because you get those drop targets down and just boom 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 and just collect maximum points yeah it's a well-regarded game for a reason yeah. like it's one of the best i mean this is what people think about when they think about 90s Bally William games. So the game that followed it was Judge Dredd. It was designed by pinball Voldemort, John Trudeau. Nobody wants to talk about. We'll talk about in a future episode about this guy, uh, or you can Google it yourselves in the meantime. It sold 6,990 units. It was his third best-selling game of all time after Bride of Pinbot and Creature from the Black Lagoon. Both good games. Yeah. Both very good games. And what do you guys think about, but what do you guys think about Dread. I don't think too highly of it. It's confusing, man. That game is really confusing. Like, I think the way that they intended the lock to work on it, they disabled it. Like, they, only the prototypes work the way that the lock actually should. I don't oh, know in the spinning it. disc. Yeah, that disc. Yeah, they made a mod balls. to. They made a mod that you can buy for the Dead World because it's got this giant planet that's called the Dead World. It's got these big plastic spinning disc pieces that spin around it the whole time. And the game was supposed to lock balls, and those balls would be locked and spin around until you started the multi-ball. And in the final production version, they don't it, that doesn't work. It spins, but it doesn't do anything. And they somebody made a mod, the Dead World mod, brings that big central mech back into the game, and it does make it more fun. That's cool. Yeah, like that part is cool. You know, there's all those loops up top, which, you know, I've owned one, and I've played it a million times, and I'm still not even really sure what they fucking do. You know, like like there's that little flipper up there and those those loops and it's just like and the way those drop targets work in front of the hole, like and the hole's kind of off centered, but like it just is goofy to me. I think it lacks fun in in its like basic form. This is what I think is a good example of why there's some people in the hobby in into pinball that hate wide bodies. Wide bodies for people that don't like them, I think there's good and bad ones. So it's not like I hate wide bodies or love them. I think that some people refer to them as like they're bloated. There's they're like they feel floatier because the ball has more lateral movement side to side because the play field's wider. This game is a good example to me of like there's a lot of shots. They don't necessarily feel fun. He does try to change the lower third of the play field with the the center lane is actually the out lane and it goes around the left and there's a kickback and there's stuff in it, but I don't think it's fun to play. Personally, I don't think really a lot of people think it's very rated very highly of the super pins. Yep. 
it's one that I've not played much and I'd, I'd like to. Like, if you guys had one on the floor or somewhere I regularly go had one, I would try to play it more because I feel like I should give it more of a shot than I have. But it just doesn't pull me in. So I remember I, it being really dark, too. Yeah, it's, like, it's super dark. Super dark. And, like, the theme of it, like, I don't really understand who Judge Dredd is. Yeah, he's <laughs> a comic book character. Like, and the thing is, which I think we're going to talk about the best part of the whole game, which is the art. Yeah. Like, the artwork of the game, they went comic book style. The artist is Kevin O'Connor, who's been a pinball artist forever. He did like the Black Knight games. He's done a bunch of games. And I think it's fucking unreal. Like from the back glass yeah. to the play field, the cabinet art is so sick. It's like in Hopper. And, and it's got this like crazy, like, <laughs> like plastic, like gold eagle topper. Yeah. It looks super it's like cautious. Cool. Like, yeah, it definitely is third right. Yeah, like it's like it's like it's meant to look because Judge Dredd is supposed to be like judge, jury, executioner. Like he's like a total fascist yeah. state, and so it, it's just like the art package of it, incredible. Like, which is why I'm going to give the award for best art package to Kevin O'Connor for his art package on Judge Dredd because, especially that cabinet art where he's riding the motorcycle and the bullets are flying <laughs> past him. It's cool. Dude, it's That's so like, good. The art you is. Cannot talk about the final animation in it though. Oh yeah, it is the best. Like the grandma sitting on the, on the, on the, the, you know, the, on the, on the porch, like in her rocking chair. Drive by comes by, then she pulls out a shotgun. Yeah, it just goes <laughs> boom, 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 and that gives you your match. That's the best animation maybe in any Dot Matrix game ever. It's <laughs> like, I don't know about that, but the the one the other one to me is like it's either that one. Or the one I always come back to is the replay of the drumming fish in Fishtails. Dude, a fish playing a drum set. Whoa. It's so good. I love when we all just love that. We're all like, oh, yeah, it's got to be the fish top fish. tier. Yeah. That's S tier stuff. I really like the the extra ball and creature. Just the, like, the. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good one, like, too. Claws just could, like, bring it. Creature has some cool animations and stuff. Dread was kind of an odd theme for them to go all in on a super pen. Just a comic theme. It didn't even have the movie out yet. I looked this up because I guess it was ex extremely popular in the 1990s. It had a really big resurgence. And the 90s were when comic book companies were printing a shitload of comic books because the first generation of the classic comic books were selling for crazy money. So this is the era where they started printing unique like foil covers and alternates. So comic book culture became really big in the 90s. Yeah. So when was Judge Dredd originally made? Like, is it like in the seventies or something like I, that? See, I didn't go that far. Like, I didn't, this is a pinball yeah, podcast. A pinball podcast. So it's <laughs> like, I, I, I just know because I thought the same thing. I was like, what a weird theme. Yeah, that that makes sense they, I mean, they made a big budget movie. The the Sly Stallone movie came yes. out like a year or two after the pen. Yes. So the movie Judge Dredd. It was inspired by the pen, obviously. <laughs> yeah, based off of the hit pinball machine. <laughs> you played the pen. Now see the movie. True. So true. <laughs> The game after that was Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, yeah. Designed by Steve Ritchie, the king, who, if you want to know more about Steve or Mark, who we mentioned, you can listen to our second episode where we talk about the Ritchie brothers. It sold 11,728 units, which is big, very big for- Thank you, data. For pinball <laughs> companies, but it doesn't even crack his own top five best-selling games since he was basically the king of selling yes. games. Dude, yeah. Steve's a fucking stud, no yeah. does it better. But it is, however, it's his best-ranked game on IPDB. Really? Yep. And it's his second-best-ranked game on Pinside. Ironically- That's Bullshit. On Pinside, it's second to his other later Star Trek game that he made for Stern. 
Oh, we usually call it Stern Trek. Yep. Interesting. Stern Trek is ranked higher than Dude, Next Gen. You're gonna if you look at the Pinside ratings, you'll just have an aneurysm. Okay. It's all recency bias. You guys, I don't know a lot about Pinside, and there's That's a good. reason I think. Yeah, I think Stern Trek's a great game, though. It's not that it's bad. I don't think it's his best. It's like game if, of all time, too, dude. It's like if you yeah. took Next Gen and trimmed the fat. <laughs> no, it's like if you took Spider Man, <laughs> take that back. It's like Spider Man, and you put a bunch of you know. Start it is like stickers on. It's it. like it's like Spider Man kind of act, genuinely trimmed down with a bad movie as a theme. We talked about that in the Steve Ritchie, Mark Ritchie episode, where the criticisms against Steve is that he makes very similar playfield choices a lot, and some people hate that. Well, that's not true with Star Trek Next Gen. For sure. Star Trek was the first time he did that layout. Yeah, because that's the first time he does the hyperloop ramp, right? That's upper flipper repeat. The warp ramp. Or warp ramp, yeah, because everyone calls it the warp ramp. Yeah. That's that side ramp that you can loop over and over. The card maneuver. Like, there's a lot of the big kind of his hallmarks came from Next Gen, it seems like. The modern Richie. Mm-hmm. Is. Yeah. I, you know, I kind of forgot about Next Gen until we put it on the floor at Wedgehead. And then it's like getting back at it again. It's like, it's fun and it's really good. That was my experience with it too. Like I had played it when I first got into it. When I first got into pinball, not that long ago, but a few years now, it was considered to be one of like the big bargain. Like this is what you should buy if you're willing to work on games yourself because it can have problems with all the optos and stuff. Yeah. But it was like by far the best bargain because when I got into the hobby a few years ago, I think you could get them like three-ish grand. What? Three, four No. They were cheap. Are you serious? They were cheap. Maybe at Sioux Falls. Maybe. Midwest prices. Midwest prices. They made a lot of them and people, it just had a bad reputation at the time. And it's like, since then, they've definitely bounced back. They're still cheap compared to like a Twilight Zone or Indiana Jones. It is cheaper than those. Which I cannot believe. It's... It's every bit as good. it's knocking on the door of Twilight Zone for sure. That's why, and you're like, it's yeah. So I mean, the reason why I like it so much is because it's fucking hard. So fucking it hard, is dude. Really hard, <laughs> and that's what makes a game fun. It's yep. the hardest of the super pins. Yeah, it's right. Like, like it, it's like it does a good job. It's like it has those orbit shots that you really want to nail. And orbit shots on a wide body are way harder to me because they're later on the flipper than an arrow. Well, and they have a little bit further to go. Those extra three inches sometimes it exactly. just doesn't go all the way around. Like, well, yeah. it's got to go through the spinner on the on the left side too. Yeah, it's like it's sick. And then like it has the super mean. He's used that in some other games, but where it makes the top of the sling fatter and angled towards the out lanes. Yeah, so it's got some of the meanest out lane situation possible. The slingshot shape is like not a triangle, right? Like right. I think, it's a trapezoid. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a trapezoid. Got, like, it's got like a two-inch section on the top of it. The outlay, oh, yeah, it's just amazing. Dude. I saw him talk up in uh, in Seattle about it, and somebody was like, "How come the outlays are like?" I, the question like was, of course, ten minutes long, and it was like, "Why are the outlays so hard on Star Trek?" <laughs> <laughs> and basically, he was like. Well, you can get some nails and put them in the thing, and that's how you can fix it. Like that was that was like he was just like fuck you, like quit crying, dumb question, and just play it. Like it was, it was he was just like get some nails, like that'll fix it. Yeah, you can close off the outlay. Yeah. That game is sick. I think the what what would you say are like the criticisms lobbied at it? Usually, it would be that it can it has all the problems with the optos. So again, bad operator. If the game's filthy, the optos seem to hang. A lot. I think with the yeah. the paddock or whatever it's called, the where you go through the tunnel. It can be a little bit exploited for points. Oh, the video mode I hate because it's so exploitable. Yep. Because all you have to do, you can choose it off the plunge if you want in standard settings. We disabled that that you can choose it as one of your skill shots. But still, if you hit the ramp three times, then it's lit at the right orbit. And then if you memorize the path, you can get two or 300 mil the easy way. 
and get an extra ball. And like, I wish you could just disable the video mode, at least in tournament play or something, because it's just a lot like, of games you could disable the video mode. That'd be a nice yeah. thing. Hey, you were the one that liked video mode. I mean, I like video mode talk. We've already covered this. I know. <laughs> but I would say that Star Trek, to me, I think most of the hate, if people hate it, is like you're either a home guy that doesn't know how to fix games, and that game probably does take a little more TLC over time. I mean, generally- That's another reason why we like having it at Wedgehead. Yeah, because it's everyone like, always, flat. good luck. Yeah. Everyone always <laughs> goes, good luck, keeping it running. We're like, yeah, fuck that. We'll keep it running. Yeah, like, yeah. because we care enough, we're going to make sure it works. Give us a challenge. Yeah. But I think it's like, I think it's just hard, dude. I think it's just like, yep. the fact that it's hard makes people dislike a game more or less. Cause like, even if it's less sensitive to setup, it's like, it's fucking hard no matter how it's set up. <laughs> like, even guys that put like silicone bands on it and yeah. stuff, it's like, it's still hard. Like, like, short of putting nails into the play field, you're not yeah. gonna make it too much easier. But I think the sounds, I think the call outs, I think the art, like the light show, it's another Dwight Sullivan coded game. I think he gives you really good moments. The cannons that move back and forth. Are oh, super dude, the little super cool. It's funny because it's like Richie took the opportunity to do a super pin and he's like, I'm going to just like put more of the shit I like into this game. Yeah. He's not trying to reinvent the wheel. It, it just worked really well. I like that thing a lot. I, I love that game. I mean, we'll get to our, our rankings at the end, but it'll be high up for me. So I'll give the award for best rules and code with the only caveat being the video mode was exploitable, but that was of the time. But I think Dwight Sullivan, the, the main software engineer on that game, did a kick-ass job because you can you can go for warps, you can go for multiball, yep. or you can go for modes to get to Final Frontier. All of those things are worth a lot of points if you do them right. So you have three like Valid. truly viable strategies. Yeah. And it just depends on how you want to play. And well, I you, and I love if that. You do modes, it, it doesn't pay to time out the modes either because you get the holodecks. Some people do. Some people do just to get to Final Frontier to make it run towards you get your Final Frontier is so much bigger if you have. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I think it, so I think it's like, coded very well, with the exception of the video mode. I think it's the best coded of of all the super pins. So that's why I'm giving that the award. Now we're going from a high point to a low point. So uh, <laughs> this is a game we talked about on the podcast before. <laughs> <laughs> it's Popeye saves the earth. Oh. Through the Pops Pinball guys exactly. out in Boston, defended as their die on the hill game. So since we recorded that episode. I or you guys recorded that episode. I wasn't on it. I went and played a Popeyes, and that game is every bit as shitty as the internet will lead you to believe. It's <laughs> it's garbage, man. There's not much to redeem it. It's a horrible theme. It's a horrible layout. They fucking tried their best to do something unique with all the fucking plastic in there. It's like goddamn, like enough plastic to fill a landfill, and that's the only place that game belongs. The postal carrier at Wedgehead is so pissed because we're actually getting physical hate mail about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Popeye was designed by Barry Ausler, who's a great pinball designer, but also collaborated this time with Python Angelo. I'd like to blame Python for how badly this game turned out because I know Barry can make good games. I was going to say, Barry has made some of my absolute favorite games of all time. Yeah. He does he made have Dracula. He made Bram Stoker's Dracula, so the guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, he did some cool shit. It, sold, it only sold 4,217 units, and again, this is still like in the time where they're selling big units, so this is like this is bad. So it's like really the first flop, and it probably only sold the 4,200 units because they were forcing distributors to buy it if they wanted a Mortal Kombat arcade cabinet. Which, which they everybody wanted. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah, so like, 
they made them take them to get their allotments of Mortal Kombat games, which they could then sell and make money. Well, you guys should do that. Yeah, it is with, a flex. You should implement that model with pinball and be like, if you want to play the new game that just came out, you got to go play like five games of like a classic first. No, we got to be like, you got to get a certain score on a class. <laughs> like, you got to be like, you got to play like single lock so you can break 2K. I like and that. Let people do whatever they want. <laughs> I just like the this is Oregon forcing Popeyes on operators is the funniest shit possible. It's very funny. I mean, I bet they just bought them and put them right in the warehouse. Like, That's what they uh, supposedly a lot of them just got used for parts and stuff. Like it's interesting, yeah, because like you said, it sold like shit. Even with that, it was about half of Judge Dredd, which up to that point was by far the least. Well, from what I've understood, I've talked to old operators here in Oregon, and they said that Twilight Zone. They couldn't get rid of all those. Like they were practically what, giving them away. I think that they, but there's a difference between the olden days, which still happens somewhat, but it's like the olden days, the manufacturers would make the games, they'd sell through distributors. So distributors are like car dealerships and then operators would buy them. So it's like the games that are made, all they have to do is sell to their distributor. And then the distributor has a warehouse mm-hmm. of games that they're selling to operators. And now they sell a lot to home collectors as well. All the manufacturers trying to do is make them and then sell them to a distributor wholesale. So that's what the numbers are referring to. But I think what happened is it was coming off of Adam's family. It's Pat Lawler. So they made more than they probably should have yeah. Twilight Zone. So then they were sitting around in the warehouse. That's I think that's kind of the story I've always heard is yeah. it's like, yep, because I've heard that too. I, was, I meant to ask that earlier, but we already talked about Twilight Zone so much at that point. Yeah, I, I definitely have heard that. in Oregon. I've heard it from two different people. Actually. Yeah, yeah. kind of funny. You hear some old school stories about people getting new inbox Twilight Zones for like 2K or something like back in the day. So yeah, Curtis out at a pinball Portland Pinball Repair has his receipts still from when he got his. Yeah, that's okay. awesome. Yeah, because I've I've seen that online, just guys saying like you could buy a Twilight Zone new inbox six years later, kind of thing. Like, yeah, they were just sitting. Yeah. I think they, they just so awesome. they overproduced them. They were trying to get ahead of the curve because they're like, oh, there's gonna be another Adams. Like, got another Adams on our hand, yeah. and it wasn't quite that. It wasn't quite what could be. Well, it, it has become that. It has become it's that over absolutely. time. Absolutely. That's why it's funny to look at some of them in retrospect. It's just it's like, like movies, man. It's like some movies are big hits when they come out, like Jurassic Park, and then remain big hits. And then there are other movies that are cult classics. that Sleepers. It's like, and that's what, yeah, very much so. Do we need to talk about this? So Popeye was just, it sucks, man. I think we all think it sucks. Next. Like, <laughs> yeah, we already got an episode in the can. Yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, megabyte trees that have been wasted in the making of that next. Yeah, you can you can go back and listen to that. Make up your own mind. I went back, like Alex said, we went out and played it, and it's worse than I remember. Right, so, move on. I will give the award for Popeye Saves the Earth as the only game that actually ruined somebody's career because it was so bad. This was Python's last game at Williams. He had worked on a prototype that was never going to get released called the Pinball Circus, but Python was a big mainstay at Williams and. This was his way out, and then he goes over to Capcom, sinks that company. <laughs> yeah, he kind of, like, yeah. That's kind of funny to think about, huh? We'll talk about more about Python. He, he deserves his own episode, because he's a very fascinating character. The next game was Demolition Man. Oh, yeah. Designed by my man, Dennis Nordman, who needs his own episode, because I'm a big Dennis Nordman guy. It sold 7,019 units. It was based on the fucking fantastic movie starring Sylvester Stallone. Wesley Snipes and Sandra Bullock. It was his second highest selling design after Whitewater the year before at 9,008 units, which is my favorite game of all time. And I think both the movie, which has now become a cult classic, 
a movie that I unequivocally love. Has become a cult classic. <laughs> yeah, in some people's minds, I guess. <laughs> the movie is sick. I'm not taking this slander from y'all. I like that we have, yeah, we have him outnumbered for once. Normally you get into these conversations with Alan one-on-one. <laughs> I don't know if anybody oh, online is like, oh, you. cult classic. I think cult classic is so different for age. Like, you know, like, because I'm 50 years old. That and how old are you? You're, you're like 35. Yeah. And you are 16. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's like cult classic means, like, for me, like, it would never get cult classic. Like, because I remember when it came out, like, the movie came out, it was like, are you fucking kidding me about this movie? Like, it's cool. It's funny, man. It's- I've seen it a while back. I like Wesley Snipes. So, you know, it's, it's cool. It's corny. I mean, it's campy, dude. It's high camp. It's action cheese. I fucking love that shit. Action cheese is the like it's it's action cheese. Well, regardless of the fact, the pinball machine is fucking fun as shit. The pinball machine has probably some of like the flowiest, best feeling ramps in all of pinball. Yeah. Like when you are nailing those, they're so long because it's a wide body and they're like so swoopy because Bally Williams didn't ever. They just let Dennis Nordman do whatever the fuck he wanted. Yeah. And it's so sick. It's also got a very cool little mech when it's actually working with that cryo claw. Yeah. Which, which ours worked. Yeah. Ours always works. In that thing, you get to like select whatever you kind of like prize payout you want. It's like you can get into a mode, you can lock a ball with it. You can just like. Yeah, you just go, you could uh, basically, you can go straight locks in the game or you can play the modes yep. for all the modes. You can play the modes and like both. two strategies. They both kind of pay the same. And they both kind of pay the same. And it has two wizard modes. I didn't even realize that. Because there's the main multi-balls, which are through all the locks, and then there's like the cryo prism multi-balls at the final one. I forget which one's the final one. The multi-balls, and then it's like the multi The the main multi-ball, and then there's, if you finish all the modes on the cryo claw, that's a demolition time. It's second wizard mode. So it's a deep game. It's fun. It's pretty well balanced. It's not 100% balanced, but it's it's pretty well balanced, and it's super fun. It's super fun. It's like, just one, it's like when you could just turn the video and sound and everything off and just flipping that thing as a white wood, it would be a blast. Yeah. Like the shots feel so good. I think it gets dragged down by its theme, which I think is a shame because I love the theme, but. I think it gets dragged down. That translate is the most remade <laughs> translate out of any translate. Do you know the story of that though? No. Okay. So the story of that is anytime you're doing with licensors, you have to get licensor approval. And when you're doing with actors themselves, they get other approvals. So, like, I forget who, yep. what studio made Demolition Man. Say it's Universal or whatever. You have to get their license because it's their IP. But then each actor owns their own likeness as a, their own IP. So even if they're in the movie, if you want to portray them, that's not in something that they agreed to beforehand, like stills taken yeah. for the IP. You have to get their them to agree on it. So what happens is the first couple, Wesley Snipes, like, thought he looked too crazy and he didn't want to look like a bad guy, even though he is a an insane psycho. They're probably worried about getting typecast. <laughs> He's the bad yeah. And he wanted to make sure that he was just as big as Stallone. So then they had to make the three of them like equal size, like it him and of, Sandy. You, a good, good glimpse of like when people complain when a game comes out and they're like, oh, why they should have done this. They and it's like, dude, the hoops they have to jump through. Yeah. That's why games end up the way they you are. You never know what they have to really go through. Yeah, like, of course, we all want to see every character on, you know, we all have shit we want to see. And, you know, like, there's a reason it doesn't happen. I think all the bad classes should be left. But, I mean, like, I, I was just like, leave the artwork alone. Let it be what it is. Like, that's a different episode that yeah, we're going to do, which is, like, on alternate back classes as part of, like, modding games. I could get into that one. But that I'm that's, really... there's a lot of meat on that because <laughs> we, I think everyone, everyone, 
whether you're for alternate backlashes or against them, everyone's very has yeah. strongly held opinions. Uh, uh, what I was going to say is my biggest criticism of against Demo Man would probably be watch your mouth the two the two captive balls or captive shots on the left side. The whole left side. The whole left side is kind of just a waste of space. No the cryo claws up. Alan's <laughs> like, no, no, you know, no, you know no. why that's no good, though. You know why that's good though is because when you're trying to fucking save a ball. And you hit it into that left side. You know you're in deep, deep. That's shit. true. So it's like it, it has it has a it has a purpose. The car crash, even though it's a cool feature, Mac doesn't do a whole lot. But the other one, the eyeball one, red the scan, baby. The eyeball one is one thematically appropriate, and two, you can get an extra ball through there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, and it'll start and explode lamps, hurry ups on all the shots. So it is worth points. It's just about its risk reward, dude. You like the game just, like a coward, so you don't want to like think it's a very fun use of like prime real estate on a pinball disagree. machine. Disagree. If you can, I, I'm just saying that's my you, biggest. You can right. score really well by not hitting the ball over there, well, but you know, like I just kind of turn off like my thinking that you to hit it over there. There's there's reasons to shoot it over there. Yeah, whether or not you like it, there are reasons. <laughs> I will say so. Ending up on Demo Man, the award for best flow of all the super pins with unlimited combos. I think it's the best shooting of all of them. Yeah, didn't even talk about the upper hand, upper. Uh, oh, that's what I was going to say. That's too, probably a big which you have to play with. Some people hate that you do, but I love that it, every combo you make, and this is a flow game where you want to hit shots in combo. It doubles your combos. Yeah. So like, it gives you a totally different play experience, <laughs> and it and it pays you for it. I don't like that personally. Me but neither, but. It, I think I'm not gonna like hold it against the game. It's like they tried something different. It's thematic. It's whatever. But yeah, I, I mean, don't like it. You know how they were kind of talking about how Popeye saves the Earth was kind of like oh it drew people in because it looks different. Like it's a boat and the thing. Like I think those handles right there is another thing that people who don't know anything about pinball are like what is this and they want to go over and grab it like it's an exercise machine. You know like and and they're into it's it. like Tony Little Gazelle. <laughs> they're into it. Man. So it's like I want to see a little muscle man with a long blonde ponytail like play one. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to get to the final game, the final Valley Williams Super Pin Road Show, aka Funner House. <laughs> the unofficial sequel to <laughs> Fun House. This was also designed by Pat Lawler, like I said at the beginning of the episode. It was he was the only designer that got to do two. It sold 6,259 units, so remarkably less, and seems to be generally regarded as a letdown, especially after the four games he did in a row, like I mentioned before. But what do you guys think about Roadshow? Well, like I always say, it's it's no NASCAR, so you know it's far from Pat's best game, <laughs> but I don't like it. I don't know. For some reason, it's one that I, I should play it more, but I hate the theme. I think it's what it's god-awful looking. Like the two heads, again, that's a bad use of space to me. I just... I don't like it. It feels congested on the upper left side, and like that's where you got to shoot. That's the only place you, it feels like you're shooting, and there's obviously upper flippers and stuff to shoot the two heads. But overall, I just don't like how it shoots. I've never played it long enough to figure out the rules. Yeah, I can see why operators don't put it on location much, because I can't imagine it earns very well. What do you think, Rose? I think it does earn pretty well. You know what that game Some people like have? it. It has the daily high score. Which yeah. people love playing it because so, they're like, I got my name on Now all Jersey Jacks do that. So So it has that. And I I think the game is good because it is gimmicky and it's fun. And I think it's pretty funny. You know, like it kind of has like the one drunk construction worker who's always being lazy and wants to like, it's got to wait till it's Friday and it's time to party. It's got the casual racism that 
that's in a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, that defines 90s. that era of games. Yeah, I guess it does have it does have that. Uh, but I do know that like we have a guy that works with us, Anthony, and it's like one of his favorite games. Like really? he loves that game. Rhodesy has one. I have two, and he has two, and he's basically going to combine them into making one perfect one. Could you put four heads in it? <laughs> we want to rebrand it as Rhodes Show. So it's branded after oh, him. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> that would be an alternate. That's an alternate backlash we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I think another thing that Roadshow has is you're trying to get across a map, which is really across hard. Tree, try to yeah. get across the country, which is really hard to do in one game, and you can continue your game on. And I think that's something that I think the Superpins did. Yeah, one of the yeah. ones where you can continue your game. You know, like, you don't, I don't, for one credit, you can add an extra ball. You can also earn a lot of extra balls in that game, like all Pat Lawler designs. It seems like once you learn how to earn an extra ball in a Pat Lawler game, he lets you do it every ball if yeah. you want to. I think the game's fun. But, it, you know, it kind of has that. So it's like continue on the adventure. Like, continue on the adventure. Yeah. Like add on instead of like, oh, I guess start all the way from the beginning again. You know, like it's like I want to see what this game does. I want to see what all the animations are. I think and like that's a rubber cool. spear. I mean, come on. The rubber yeah, spear. you can you can get always, souvenirs. The souvenirs. You always got to buy the rubber sphere. <laughs> yeah. And it allows you to trade them if you want. You never trade them. You always keep them because they go to your bonus and stuff. I think that Roadshow. Don't trade the rubber sphere. Keep the rubber sphere. <laughs> always buy the rubber sphere. It's a great purchase. I think that Roadshow's really underrated. I do think it's a lot of fun. Like I said, my friend Anthony, it's one of his favorite games. He, I was just like you. If you would have asked me this 10 years ago, I would have said exactly like what you said. And then I would go out and play it with him, and he taught me how to play it and what was going on. And I was like, okay, this game's fun. Okay. Like, I do think it's fun. It's it's very unique. It's a Pat Lawler game. I do think it's fun. I don't think it's as good as maybe all the other super pins that we mentioned or the top tier, but it's it's definitely firmly right in the middle. It's a fun game. I like it. Maybe I'll come around on it if I actually put time on it ever. We're going to try to put it, put it in... Wedgehead at some point. No way. I'm going to withhold it on Anthony. He asks me every day. He's there. He's like, hey, did you bring Roadshow? Did you bring Roadshow? Like, <laughs> he's doing it. He's withholding it out of spite. I know. It's like, it's like I love just kind of dangling it in front of him. I was like, I got two of them right next to each other. They're out there. I think the word that this deserves of all of it is most loaded game, bang for your buck game. It's got to be the most complicated mechanical game ever built, I think. Like the two working heads, you have two Rudy heads which is already very complicated. Plus but it's got a, the just, moving bulldozer. They're honestly just copies of the other moving heads. So it was like, for them, it was a no-brainer. Sure, but it's just like, that's a lot of stuff to just add in parts and manufacture. And just like the extra plunger with all the extra stuff, again, taken from Funhouse. Uh, it's got the earthquake. It's got the shaker motor in it. it it's just like, there's so much. the first game with the shaker motor? No. N- no. Earth. Yeah, Earth Shaker. Another Pat Lawler game. Yeah. Which makes sense theme wise. It's just loaded, man. It's just loaded. I mean, all these super pins are loaded. Twilight Zone is probably the second most loaded game of all time. That's a big part of why this, like, these games are so iconic, I think. And it's always kind of like the gold standard in like every, like, we did that boutique episode. And a lot of boutique companies, when they start up, they think they're going to be like the Bally Williams super pin equivalent. Jersey Jack, that's what they wanted to be. Yeah, they yeah. came out with wide bodies. They were like, we're going to load them. And it's like, they couldn't do it. They almost went out of business trying to do that. They had to go get more investor money or whatever. Yeah. And it's like the Pinball Brothers with a- or, or Highway, whatever. Yeah. Alien. It's like everybody wants to do this and it's hard to do right. And even Bally Williams watching their numbers kind of drop off over the run of these games. It's like they could see this wasn't equitable. They quit doing it. Yeah. 
so it's it's kind of interesting. It's like this like little golden era of games. Yeah, it only lasted about a year, you know? Yeah. Year and a half. It was an interesting experiment. We got a lot of cool games out of it. Definitely. Well, they're still trying to come up with new mechs that are going to keep players interested. Look at that. Yeah. You know, like yeah. with the the way that it stages balls on the outer ramps, you know, like I think they're they're Foo Fighters kind of had some stuff in it that was never been done before. I think they're always trying to come up with new stuff. Like I don't think it's necessarily as much like motors and you know, like like visual kind of yippee-yo kind of I think Yeah, I mean every pin is trying to give you that. They just these games used to give you multiple gimmicks in the same game. And now it's like so, now it's like you have you have one. Yeah. Right? Like it they they do feel three thousand dollars more to get a premium. To, to get a second you get it too. small mech. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the Bally Williams Super Pin era. A very interesting time in pinball. It's sort of like during their big resurgence and boom in the early nineties. Then they decide to kind of double down and make these wide body pins. I think it's very interesting that every designer working there got to make one. Yeah, so you get fun. to see how every designer that was working there, what their wide body super pin would be. Yeah, it makes you really glad that Barry Alsler didn't have more budget on his other games. Yeah. <laughs> or just didn't have to work with Python on them. But So I'm going to go through to end the episode. They made, were they making other games besides super yeah, pins? Yeah, they made other games in between. But I'm going to go through... And we're going to give each of our rankings. And I also reached out to our previous guests on the podcast. And I wanted everyone to rank their super pins on their seven of them. And I want everyone to rank them from best to worst. So I'm going to read everyone's list so that every listener out there can get a an idea, a look into our minds of like what we like and what we don't like. Okay. Because they, they do vary quite a bit. And I'll start with mine. My rankings are Demolition Man number one, yep. which is obvious controversial controversial i'd say but it's the one i like the most i think it's the best flowing game like i said i also like the theme and i I just think demolition man rips like i just think it's so much fucking fun to play number two star trek next generation again i love how brutal it is i love how hard it is i love steve ritchie that's why we did the whole episode on him number three twilight zone one of Pat Lawler's best games. I agree with the consensus that if it's not his best game, you're really splitting hairs as far as like maybe you like Funhouse a little bit better, maybe you like Adam's Family, but it's it's epic. Number four, I put the other one. I put Roadshow at number four on my list, which I think is high for most people's list. Number five, I put Indiana Jones. I love the theme. I don't think it's the most fun to shoot, which is the only thing that holds it back, because I do think theme integration is really good. Number six, I put Dread. I don't think that game's very good. I think six and seven are both bad, and Popeye at seven, I think it's like one of the worst games I've ever played. (laughs) (laughs) Even after being told that it's not, I I still, I I don't like it. All right, so Alex, what's your list? I got to think about it for a second. I would probably do Next Gen at number one right now anyway. Twilight Zone would be, those are kind of a toss-up. They're both very iconic games to me. They're both, like, classics for a reason. You just gave me a different list. I know. That's where we started. That's, that's why what I'm thinking. I'm like, as we talked about it, I kind of like her changing. <laughs> um, after that, probably Demo Man, then Indiana Jones, then, I guess, Roadshow, just because I feel like I don't know it well enough, then Dread, then Popeye. Okay. And that, like, Popeye, yeah, man. Like, the list you gave me right before we started was Demo Man, Star Trek, Twilight Zone, Indie, Dread, Roadshow, Popeye. I thought about Demo Man a little more, and I think I don't want to gas it up too much because I see how it's affecting your ego over there, Alan. 
I mean, here's the thing is what's what's interesting is about the pins. If you look at the pin side list, Demo Man is the second lowest right That's above part of why like Pop my Mike. reaction when we did the list the first time I was looking at that and I'm like fuck that like it's so good it's but so I'm like good. versus yeah. Twilight Zone and Next Gen that's hard for me I do like Demo Man a lot okay so what's your, what's your final list sorry I don't know man I, you're gonna ask me I'm gonna give you a third different list yeah okay Make okay it. going on alright alright Rhodesy mine is definitely Twilight Zone Star Trek Next Generation I'm gonna go Indiana Jones and then I'm gonna go uh, Demolition Man Roadshow Judge Dredd, Popeye. I think that's kind of like general consensus, or more close to the general consensus of them. Normal guy. You're just a regular old guy. (laughs) Just an ordinary dude. All right, so I got Zoe's list. As listeners will remember, Zoe Vrabel. She was on the Howdy Partner episode, good friend of the show. Her number one was Twilight Zone. Her number two was Demolition Man. Her number three was Roadshow. Four, Indiana Jones. Five, Star Trek Next Gen. Six, Judge Dredd, seven, Popeye. So the I think the big surprise is that Star Trek drops out of the top three. Yeah. And that roadshow makes the top three. Yeah. Greg Dunlap, who we talked about on the episode interviewing about a pinball programmer, his list is number one, Twilight Zone, number two, Demolition Man, number three, Star Trek, number four, Indy, number five, Roadshow, number six, Dredd, number seven, Popeye. I mean, not surprising here. All right, now then I'll get to the two guys that came on this podcast to defend Popeye. I'll get to their <laughs> list. I'll start with Ty Ueda of Triple Knock Pinball, and his number one is Star Trek Next Gen. Okay. Number two, Twilight Zone. Number three, Demolition Man. Number four, Indiana Jones. Number five, Popeye. Number six, Roadshow. Number seven, Dread. So he didn't go crazy. Yeah, he knew what to push there. Yeah, so I think it was measured. Yeah, you're like... I was expecting to see it top three or four, but he puts it at number five. And finally, Daniel Radin, who operates as Our Lady of Pinball and is the other half of Pops Pinball in Boston, he ranks them as number one, Twilight Zone, number two, Star Trek, number three, Popeye, number four, Indie, number five, Roadshow, number six, Dread, number seven, Demo Man. He puts it dead last. Yeah, he's just like, spite ranking it for you <laughs> no one in the world genuinely believes Popeye's better than those other four games like, well Daniel does no that's why some people knows. do I think in his heart of hearts he knows what he's doing send all the hate mail <laughs> I'll give Alex's home address <laughs> I'm kidding but anyway this has been the super pin episode of the Wedgehead pinball podcast I think we had a nice long talk about super pins Four super pens, two okay-ish pen, one that's technically a pinball machine. Yeah, I guess that's fair. <laughs> Till next time, go out, find some super pens on location, play them, and then you can let us know either on our Instagram, following us at at WedgeheadPDX, or sending us an email at WedgeheadInfo at gmail.com. Until the next time, good luck, don't suck. <laughs>